the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Coming to you live. We always talk about your family's uh, finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. Uh, listen, we've got some great emails on our second hour of the show. I want you to stay tuned because there's some interesting things happening uh, that I see uh, that's kind of a common denominator. You've heard me say that before. As I, I look for patterns, I look for trends to see what concerns you have both in your phone calls to us, in your emails, uh, and of course, uh, in our one-on-one meetings. We try to meet with uh, folks every week, um, somewhere around 100 a month, I guess, is our contacts between phone calls, Zoom meetings, and uh, in-person meetings. That's important because I, that gets me a really good sampling of what your concerns are. So when you send in your emails, if I'm not answering your particular email, I might answer it directly to you, and there's a reason for that. It's because I don't see it as as a widespread issue or a concern that most people are having. So that's my reason for wanting to uh, delay or to make sure that what we're doing is relevant to a lot of people. This week, we're going to talk about uh, two very interesting emails, so stay tuned for the second hour of the show as, as we really get into some details. All right, I don't know if you noticed, but there's some more talk about what's happening with the next interest rate hike. I mean, you would expect them to raise... Uh, interest rates again they're going to do that uh this is where we see that impacting you expect interest rates now if you haven't bought your vacation or your retirement home yet i think you're going to see some issues coming down the pipe specifically that the interest rates for your second home i would expect seven or eight percent before this is all over maybe by the end of the year maybe by this time next year seven eight percent home interest rates remember that were a year ago three percent two point eight three point two Now, what does that mean to you? I think that means there's going to be a collapse in home prices, certainly a reduction in the more popular areas. When you're looking at some of the more popular areas in the country, I think you're going to see a run-up. A lot of people have seen this run-up in prices that has just outpaced what the market can hold. So we're going to see some changes there. That outpacing of the market is going to be corrected, meaning the prices are going to be reduced. The other place that I see this, which is kind of interesting, 
and we're starting to see it now, I think 20% of the homes have fallen through on new home purchases. So people that bought a house in January, February, March, April, and they said, okay, here's what I want. I want all those extra you know, goodies with my home. Price goes up. Well, of course I can afford it. It's a 3% mortgage. I'll rent or I'll wait to sell my home and I'll, I'll get it at the top of the market. Remember, all of you folks want to time things. And of course, when you do that, what happens? Well, surprise, it's no longer the same interest rate, which means the payment isn't the same and you can't qualify for the house. That's a big issue because now the builder needs your money. Remember, the builder says, I need your cash in order to build the next house. And if, you, and if you're not going to be buying the house, the builder's going to have the next phase and the phase after that are all going to be sitting there halfway done. And I think that's where you're going to see bankruptcies. You've heard me mention eight months, six, eight months ago that when the recession was coming, you're going to see work stoppages and people going on strike and issues with pay and on and on. That's happening now as well. I think you're going to see some uh, interesting opportunities in all of this. So what are those opportunities? I think it's the same thing that you saw during the, uh, remember the air, tra- air traffic controller strike? Remember when Ronald Reagan fired everybody? He said, listen, if you're not back at work, I don't know what it was, tomorrow or the next day by 8 a.m., you're done. He gave him an ultimatum. Most or many did not show up, and they were for fired, terminated. In fact, one of you all came to my office recently, and I said, oh, what you used to do? He said, well, I was a air traffic controller for X amount of years. I listened to the union, and I lost my job. So they do something else now. So a lot of you that, that were involved in that world way back when, well, you, you know, expect that to happen again. I think you're going to see some conservative governors say, listen, state workers, if you don't show up for work, you're going to be fired, and we're going to hire brand new people. So I, I think there's some issues back and forth that's going to cause many people along the way to, uh, to adjust their careers, to make changes. So how do you handle this if you're almost done with your career, five, eight years? You've always heard me say, if you're within the five years before retirement or the five years after, that's called the golden 10 in our world. What do we mean by that? That golden 10 years, because often five years before retirement, especially in a good economy, Here's what you end up doing. You end up buying that RV. You buy that vacation home. You know, you think you can afford it. Everything is great. The stock market keeps going up. Your accounts keep going up. Life is good. And then they're not. And then some issues come along the way. And suddenly we lose, well, a lot, don't we? We lose the income that we thought we were making. We certainly lose what we thought is the the best financial tool in the world, which was the market. You see, it's always good until it's not good. Right, That's important you know that because most of you don't realize that the market doesn't just go up. It goes up and down. And if you're close to retirement, we need to start removing some of that risk, not adding it. Because a lot of you think that the, that the market itself is going to go high through retirement when you're in an opposite phase of life. You see, the first 15, 20, 30, 40 years of your working life, you're in the accumulation phase. Your job is to accumulate money. Your job is to buy shares, meaning volatility, ups and downs, craziness in the market. That's your friend because your food, shelter, clothing, that comes from your job. So your retirement accounts are supposed to be going up and down. As long That's the really the main reason or the only reason to have your retirement accounts go into the market is because you're buying when it's high, buying when it's low, buying when it's high, buying when it's low. Now, if you pick the right stock, if you guess and you win... Fantastic. 
you're better than I could do, and, and you deserve a gold star. But for a lot of you, you don't realize that in this process of decumulation or what we call income phase, you can't afford the risk of the market. You can't afford the ups and downs because now you have to sell more shares to get the dollars, right? We don't take dollars, uh, sorry, we don't take shares to the grocery store. We take dollars. So when it takes 10 shares to buy something, but now the, the value of those shares have gone down in price, now you have to sell 15 of them. Right? That means they're gone. They're never coming back. You sold them. You turned them into cash. You went to the grocery store. So that means your, your decumulation or the acceleration of reduction in the amount of stock market pieces or shares that you have, it's accelerated. It's going down very quickly. And that's a scary thing when you retire in your 60s. Now, if you retire in your 75 or 80, 85, you're thinking, well, listen, I have maybe 15 or 20 good years left, and that's about it. So I'm okay if I run out of money. So we have to be shifting our mindset, moving from the risk side of things, because most of your working life has been buying in the market. Because most people never bought in the market. That wasn't your job, right? Your job was not to buy in the stock market. Your job was to pay off your house that you were going to live in for the rest of your life. Your job was to save money and put it in CDs and earn a 5%, 8% interest rate. Your job was to, uh, you know, pay off debt and put your kids in school and maybe they would help, you know, kids kind of help their parents. That's, that's a big part of certainly some backgrounds, certain ethnic backgrounds, right? That's part of the job is pay off stuff and help your kids. And then the kids turn around and help the parents. Well, when things start changing, when that shift begins and you're now required to put money in the market, right? In the 70s, really mostly in the 80s is when you all started putting stuff in the stock market. Well, you just fast forward. That's 25 years, right? 30 years, 35 years. You're retired. Done. Now it's time to do what? Pull money out. So be very careful, especially when somebody thinks they did something. What I'm always concerned about is people that take credit for things that they didn't do. Great example. Well, I bought a house for 280000 and today it's worth 950 Go, great. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, listen, I, it was a great investment. Okay, I don't know about investment or not, but I can tell you this. You didn't do anything for it to go up. Because if you were that smart, why didn't you buy two or four? Right? I mean, oh my gosh, you really thought that that's a great deal? Buy six. But you didn't. What you did instead is you, is you bought one and uh, you worked and paid your bills and your property taxes. Great job. And you woke up one morning and suddenly you get a letter in the mail. I'd like to buy your house for a million dollars. And you go, well, well look at look at me. I, I've, I'm, I'm rich. Well, I don't know about that. So my point is you put money in the stock market. What did you do on purpose? Systematic dollar cost averaging that you did on purpose. Most people, myself included, almost all of us, we can't pick the right stock, the right time, the right, the right uh, mutual fund. We can't do that. That's not our job. Ask your financial professional, even the one you pay for advice, where's the best place for me to put my account? And then check six months later and see if it's up. And he'll tell you one of two things. It's too early to tell. Uh, over time, the market outperforms everything. Or he'll say things like, uh, listen, just keep buying. Keep buying. You're, you're diversified. I love it. Diversified. 
you say, okay, all of those are nice things, but look, I'm in my 50s, late 50s, early 60s, 60s. Uh, I don't have a lot more time to put money in to take advantage of volatility. I need to start withdrawing. So why is it that I have this kind of risk? So part of this process for you is to realize when am I supposed to be shifting money out of the risk world and into safety? Let me give you our number. It's 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Hey, if you want to send me an email, let me give you this. I'll give it to you a couple of times. It's arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com. tfswealth.com. Okay. Credit card debt, folks. You saw this. Household credit card debt is being reported as surging in the second quarter, the highest jump in over 20 years. So it's not just credit card debt. What is it? It's mortgages, car loans, credit card balances. They're all up. Now, when people put money on debt, they do it for a couple reasons. They do it because they want to eliminate the the, the time, right? They want to buy themselves freedom. I get the cash now. I buy a credit card, two months, two years. I have to pay it back. Or they want the points. Everybody likes points. They like miles. They like the freedom of of, uh, getting something for nothing. But why is it that most people are not in a position and they don't, uh, uh, of paying it off quickly? They should. You should be paying it but you don't, do you? Because you're afraid. Listen, you might have the same money, but you don't. You don't pay it off now. So what most people don't realize is the interest rates are going up. And as the interest rates are going up, it's starting to eliminate a lot of what you're thinking. And that is that this was a good deal. And as people are walking through this process of this new normal, which is recession. By the way, quote, folks, the recession's here. I don't know if you knew it. I don't know if you heard it. I don't know if you believe it. But the recession is here. In fact, all of us knew inflation was here before the the Democrat administration. All of us knew the recession was here before the Democrat uh, administration. Ready for this? All of us knew that COVID was an overreaction, the, the shutting down the world and wearing these spacesuits to the grocery store and wiping down your groceries. All of us knew it except for the Democrat administration and its, and its mouthpieces called Network News, MSNBC, CNN. They, right? I mean, listen, all of us were afraid at first, but there's a logic that misses. Eighth grade science will tell you certain things don't make sense. And every time I ask a scientist this question or, quote, a a degree, I have a master's in physical therapy or I have a degree in – I am a physician for family practice. Great. So let me ask you some questions. Look at all these people wearing masks. Are they doing it the same way that you were taught in in medical school? They would have been fired. They would have been kicked out of medical school by now. Same thing in law enforcement, right? For, For the police department, tactics was our thing. You could mess up on a lot of little things, but if you mess up on tactics, you're done. We don't keep you in the fi- in the police department. Training is all about safety. Well, in 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 the medical profession, it's the same thing. You you don't use the same int- instruments over and over with the same uh, patient, do you? Of course not. But what what don't you get? Well, you don't understand that in the process of wearing a mask around six people, 
that when you leave those people, you're supposed to take it off with gloves and put it in a red trash burn bag. Oh, wait, you're not doing that, are you? Or the facial hair that you have, I have this big old beard and I put this on. What kind of seal do you think that has on your face? Listen, I met 42 physicians. Six of them say you should wear a mask. Now, physicians, I should clarify. Nurse practitioners, physicians, respiratory therapists, 42 of them. And some RNs in there as well. Six of them. And even those six say, well, better to be safe than sorry. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why not wear a helmet when you're driving your car? I think you should. drive it. Put everybody in your car in a helmet and a life preserver if you're going to drive by any body of water. Have your seatbelt on with a life preserver and a helmet. You would think that's insane. You would say, oh, that's a, that's a weird guy driving next to me on the freeway. And listen, if you want to be the person that's going to wear a mask, I'm all right with that. But when you forced me to do it, all of a sudden the world changed. All of a sudden, it's now an assault on me personally and my freedom. And I, and I had a problem with that. I get it. Some of you are still you call yourself a conservative, but you really, you know, still wear a mask because I got, I've got comorbidities. I've got a, a, you know, immune issues. Bless your heart. I hope you get better. Why don't you do some research and see? It was four comorbidities for the people that died. Four, not one, not two. And when you take somebody and you put them on their stomach in an ICU ward. Listen, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just telling you my observations. Hey, this person can't breathe, so we're going to take the entire weight of his body and we're going to put it on his diaphragm. And then we're going to force him to breathe through this machine and we're going to say, uh, this will save his life. Um, maybe that's the protocol. I, I, I didn't go to medical school. But common sense will say 180 pounds of my body on my diaphragm it's very difficult to breathe when, when I don't have pneumonia or lung issues. Right? I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm just trying to be logic. Fix me if I'm wrong. Right? Oh, no, Eric, you don't understand. The body reacts. Great. I want to learn. Tell me. But logic has driven me down this road of thinking something is fishy here. I don't know what. But something's wrong. And you guys should know this. Listen, if, if you've got a cough then you wear a mask to go see grandma or you don't go at all. I get it. If you're got, if you have the flu, you do the same thing. You don't go see grandma when you're sick. We didn't before. I don't see my elderly parents. You don't. So you've got to be careful guys, but use your head. This is ridiculous. You think Gavin Newsom was going to die at the French laundry. Do you think he felt this is the, this dinner, man, it's worth my life. And so did the California medical association representatives that were there as well. Standing above all of you. And listen, they were both females, so forget this diversity baloney. Oh, yeah, the diversity would have, uh, they would have told them to put on a mask. Well, they didn't. Right? What you had was <laughs> two women from the California Medical Association. I think they were the heads. Right? They've been able to duck and dodge uh, criticism because of the media is their side. Gavin Newsom didn't shut down the uh, education in his county. His private school, his kids stayed in school uh, education because he knew that it was important for him. But your kid had to learn at home with all the other cesspool of stuff that comes through the computer. Yeah, don't worry. It's just your kid. 
All right, guys, pay attention. Here's what we see. I want to switch switch gears with you a little bit because the, the jobs report that came out, how is that going to affect you in your retirement? How is this whole craziness going to affect you? You want to still wear a mask, you can do that. Maybe your employer will let you. Maybe they'll require it. I don't know. But here's what I'm what I'm thinking. I think you need to look around. You Remember, common sense. I'm about common sense here. Do you see retailers closing? I was by a, a pizza chain, Blaze Pizza. And in one of the areas that I visit, both locations were shut down. It's one of my favorite pizzas. I mean, I like all of those make-your-own pizzas. There's three or four of them, wherever I happen to be. Three, three or four different uh, names, right? Chains, I like them. Yummy. Make my own. I like a little extra of this, none of that. Well, they shut down both of their locations. Sorry. First of all, they were closed you know, Monday through Thursday and only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they just couldn't keep employees. Sorry, no, not enough employees. Shut down someone's dream. I don't know if it was a million dollars he or she put into that franchise, but somebody put in lots and lots of money. And they were done. How scary. Right? I look at a business closing and I go, that's somebody's dream. Life savings, home equity, parents' money, retirement. Because small business is really, in my opinion, where it's at to be successful in life. That's the, that's the key. Right? It, it, it tells you who you are as a person. It allows you to not compromise. It allows you to rise to the occasion so that your values are perpetuated through the industry and through the business that you own. You don't have to repeat like a parrot somebody else's. And so this man or woman took their chance. And because Biden was handing out money like candy, so were the states. California's handing out money. Uh, just just because you breathe, here's 300 bucks. What, what is that going to do to anybody? Right? You, try to go to your favorite big box store and buy uh, a bag of groceries for less than $150. I don't, I don't think you can do it. Add some meat in there and it's done. So here's what the CEO of Uber says. 70% of its new drivers are taking on a second job. This is their survey. They're taking on a second job to beat inflationary prices. 70%. So when you hear this baloney that, uh, oh, there's more jobs being created, these are second part-time jobs because of inflation. You can't tell me that three years ago, all these people were working and today we're buying more stuff. I don't think so. I think there just isn't the goods and services and, and people are staying home. Un- unemployment claims numbers are near highs. So the hidden part of this jobs report that came out recently, the, the last couple of days, says this. Unemployment claims are near record highs compared to some of the worst recession times in our history. So that means if you go back and you look at the big recessions, you look at patterns of behavior. What starts to increase? What starts to decrease? What's the result five, six, eight months later? That's why when I tell you that the home builders are going to have a problem and surprise, last week 20% of home builders uh, or, or 20% of their inventory are stuck. That's a big, that's a big number, you guys. You're going to start to see this happen. What will a recession do to seniors, to you guys getting a second job? I think more businesses will going to want to pay less. So for a lot of you as a retiree, if part of your plan was to work part-time at the golf course, I hear that all the time. 
or I'm going to work at the craft store. I'm going to work part-time at, and you pick the space. I really enjoy people, so I want to work here. Well, I'm going to tell you that a big part of this retirement, especially if you were forced to retire early, right? One of the emails I'm going to talk about a little later, I think you're going to be surprised. We're going to start to see some issues where if you want to retire early, if that's part of your plan, I think we have to realize that if getting a second job is important just to stay busy, remember I told you purpose means everything, then we have to be thinking through this recessionary times, how do we have a person who is looking to do something versus providing for a family? So I think a lot of second jobs for you, part-time jobs, are going to be to be busy and to make a little extra cash. A lot of these other jobs that are going to be created, they're not going to be able to provide for a family. So I don't think you're going to see a young uh, father or mother of two or five kids trying to get these jobs. They're just not going to fill the gap because recession will eat up everything. And I think you guys have to pay attention to that because in, in this process, they're going to look, you're going to look for pay. And I'm going to tell you to put the pay aside. Put the income that you're going to be paid off to the side and look for something to do. Because yes, you're going to get paid more than minimum wage. I mean, that's going to be the key because they're going to try to fill the gap because there's not enough employees. I get it. But a lot of small businesses are going to hire you because they want your loyalty. They want your hard work, your work ethic, your ability to show up on a Monday, not be drunk from Saturday, not have a fight with your boyfriend on Tuesday so you don't show up to Wednesday, right? That happens a lot with young people. Prove them wrong and you've got a shot at that second job because more businesses are going to want to pay less and I think that's going to be where the key starts to to flip for you. All right, we're going to come back in just a minute, guys. I want to continue with what I think this Democrat tax bill, <laughs> they just renamed it. They, I loved it. They renamed it the Inflation Protection Whatever it Act. You know it's baloney. I know it's baloney. So when we come back, I'm going to get into it. How does it impact you and your retirement? And really, what's going to change as you start to look forward? And how do you protect your income? I'm here for you. 888 retire 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me on AM870. The answer. The total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Hallaby. Now every dollar's got Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for continuing to stay with me. For those of you just joining and we are talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. How are you going to manage this future with inflation and the Federal Reserve, uh, in my opinion, for sure, is going to raise rates again to 75 basis points? Uh, I think we're going to look at uh, the things that matter to you, right? The Federal Reserve rate doesn't necessarily matter to you. It's what banks are charging for credit card interest, what home uh, variable rate mortgages. Some of you actually got a variable rate mortgage for whatever reason. I'm not sure. There's reasons to do it, but in the last couple of years, I wouldn't have done it. But what about going forward? The Inflation Protection Act, 
of 2022 or whatever they're calling it. What is that going to do to you? I'm going to give you my analysis on how I think it's going to impact your retirement here in just a second. Part of what, uh, what matters is whenever the government puts something together in a bill, you have to realize it isn't to your benefit. It's to special interests benefit, whether it's defense contractors, whether it's uh, specialist for uh, institutions like research facilities that support the Democrat Party, uh, education facilities that support the Democrat Party. Right? A lot of these uh, regulatory things, they tack on other little bills at the end that have nothing to do with the title of the bill or the main thing. So they do this marathon fight uh, voting and they put these little extra bills in there and they put these little extra arguments in there. And so people will vote for one thing, but not for the main one, or they won't vote for the little one to add to the big one, but they will vote for the big one. So it's this uh, circus of impressions, really this allocation of what they want you to see versus what really is happening. And so how is that going to impact you? Very simple. Bottom line, the IRS is going to increase enforcement on small businesses. The middle class, what we define as the middle class, people that are earning 250000 to 400000 right in that number, they're going to, it, well, it's going to mean number one, you're going to have to spend more money on CPAs to fight audits. Now, my first piece of advice is to do things legally, do things the right way. There's a lot of loopholes legal loopholes in the system. So you don't have to be sneaky. Just follow the rules and do it the way you're supposed to do it. Your CPA, a good CPA, will manage and, and account for it. Now, if you're making 60, 80, you probably don't need a high-end CPA. You can get your taxes, prepared, especially if you don't own any rental property or corporations and you have a job with a W-2 income. So back off the high-end expensive CPA, in my opinion, and and just work with your everyday tax preparer, okay? Works like this. Tax preparer, next level up is enrolled agent, highest level is a CPA. So who should be hiring a certified public accountant? Well, number one, in my opinion, it's those people, 250000 or more in income. And if you start getting to 500000 towards a million, I think you need to quote a team, and the reason you would need a team, it's very simple because in this world, there are expertise and I want you to have a CPA who, who is an expert in corporate law and corporate taxation. If you own companies, oh wait, you own rental property. Now I need a CPA who specializes in that. I want them to work together. They better play well in the sandbox and not get this whole uh, territorial thing. And yes, by the way, it will cost you a lot of money. Add that to this small business uh, assault, which is really what it is. And I think you're going to see that begin to impact you and I and others that are trying to get into that middle class and, and to stay in that middle class world. I think you're going to see that hit at a pretty hard level. Next, the U.S. manufacturing. 49% of what's called a bookend tax. I won't get into that too much now, but just realize that's a huge number. Meaning at a time when China is withdrawing the sand from Taiwan that is meant to create what? The chips, silicon chips. I mean, you understand, computer circuitry is made by certain sand. I mean, it's kind of weird, but it's the way it works, right? You press sand enough and it becomes glass, certain types of sand. 
So they use that for fiber optic cable. They use that for their chip manufacturing. They use that for circuitry. Important you understand this because Taiwan Semiconductor is one of the largest, if not the largest, in the world. Now, they got a hint to this. So about a year ago, they started to build a, a facility just east, uh, sorry, just west of Phoenix, Arizona, close to Buckeye, Arizona. One of the largest semiconductor plants in the country. Another one, I think, is in Kentucky. Now, if I was the U.S. government and I was pro-American, unlike the Democrats, I would do a couple of things. Number one is I would make sure that all bets were off on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-work week. Meaning, if the U.S. government has to waive certain OSHA regulations, if they have to uh, allow for inspectors to be on premise 24-7 to continue to approve to build this factory, that is what I would do. I would have increased security. I would treat it like a defense contractor. You'd have layers of badge protection. You'd have background investigations. Make sure nobody is a Chinese spy. You literally have to have that facility, and I would start scouting for a third facility, maybe in Wyoming or Montana, someplace, again, away from the coast. Because now you are, but, but right, so if that's the mindset, and then this Inflation Protection Act uh, is going to start going after U.S. manufacturing, you're thinking, but, but wait, aren't we supposed to try to manufacture more stuff here like baby formula? So... Why are we going after the same manufacturers we're trying to tell them to support? It's a very unique circle that the Democrats can't seem to square. So here's where I think we're going to happen. What's going to happen? If you are a retiree, we just had a gentleman come in recently. He's a retired surveyor. Now that's important because he surveyed uh, for large government operations across the country, different uh, facilities, a lot of electrical plants. Uh, wires and 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 uh, running the high tension. I don't mean the small electrical wire uh, wiring that goes into your town. I mean the big ones that crisscross the country. That's a pretty important role. Do I think that person should maybe come out of retirement? Maybe train somebody, train two other people. So maybe for you guys as retirees. There is a role to play in coming back out of retirement to help build up the U.S. manufacturing sector for one reason, and my reason is very simple. I think we're if we're not in a Cold War, we certainly are. We're coming to it. It's right around the corner. And do I think a hot war is coming next? Mm, I hope to God not. I think we're already kind of semi-engaged in one in Ukraine. President Trump, uh, President Biden allowed that to slip when he talked about American military training in Ukraine and training Ukrainian soldiers and actually being in country. Russia's known that for quite some time and he let it slip in one of his, you know, remarks. So I think you're going to see this whole, you know, rebuilding. Remember when General Motors stopped building cars and built tanks and Jeeps? Same thing with other manufacturers in the United States, right? They went from building toasters to building bombs and building... uh, bullet casings and on and on. I think you're going to see that same kind of manufacturing push that needs to happen in the United States. Japan has already figured it out. They started it a few years back. They saw the move against what what China was doing. Very simple, right? What China did is, is they're smart with their Belt and Road Initiative, right? It just means all goods and services come back. Basically, they strip mine and everything returns to where? To China. China is stockpiling food 
So instead of exporting food and making money, they are stockpiling it. You, ha- you have to understand this. When they went to the African nations and they promised, oh, we're going to hire your people. So, so sell us this land because they sent in surveyors under false pretent- pretenses to survey where certain rare minerals are, cobalt and uh, other rare minerals across African, uh, the African continent, as well as in Central and South America. And we go back even further when they took control of the Panama Canal. When Jimmy Carter, in his infinite wisdom, gave the Panama Canal back to Panama, people that had no clue how to manage money, how to manage an asset, how to deal in world affairs. Surprise, the highest bidder came along and said, we want to we want to buy it, slash operate it, slash own it forever, whatever you want to call it. It's owned and controlled by China. Panamanians are like, eh, it's a pretty good deal. I'll take it. Now, how do you think they get the goods and services from West Africa where they sent their submarines along the coast of West Africa for a long time to survey the entire deep water ports. And then they built the largest deep water port. And then they built railways crisscrossing the continent, strip mining all of the rare minerals, the materials, the goods. And they brought it to the port. They bring it in a ship across the Atlantic through the Panama Canal, and over to China. If you don't think they play the long game, right? They think in 5 and 10 and 50-year increments where we can't pass a budget for the next month. So when you understand that the way the Chinese think is different than the way the United States thinks, you have to ask yourself what politicians are selling out in the United States. Because by the way, guys, there are some selling out, and sometimes even on both sides, just to be clear. So how do you protect yourself as a retiree? Well, number one, I need you to have cash. I know you're thinking, oh, air of cash, is, you know, it, it drops in value every month. Yes, it does. Yep. Uh, I'm getting nothing in interest at the banks. Mm-hmm, you're right. But when all heck breaks loose or you can't access your ATM or there's going to be a problem with the electronics or the banking system or on and on and on, maybe sort of there might be something like that happening someday. You remember when the earthquake hit? You couldn't access your ATM cards. The the electricity was down. So what did you take to the grocery store? You had to take dollars. So I want you to have small denominations, fives, tens, and twenties, not just stacks of $100 bills. Keep them in a safe, in a safe place in your home. Don't tell anybody about it. You decide whether it's 500 or 5,000 or 50,000. I don't know. That's up to you. But you keep money, cash at home. I know everybody says, Arif, what do you think about gold and silver? Okay, fine. Have some gold and silver if you want. I'm all right with that. But what I want you to get every single month is reliable retirement income. Because you can have six rental properties and the government says what? Oh, sorry, you guys don't have to pay your rent. Excuse me? You, you just gave them permission to steal. What, what, what are you talking about? You don't have to pay your rent. You just told me there's all these jobs. Go, 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 go get a job. Pay, pay me. Part of your retirement income is going to be rental property. You better be careful because the state of California has decided to tax when you sell that property at a much higher level than ever possible. And at the same time, they've instructed escrow companies to take it before you even see it. So right now, your rental property income, you got, you have gold, keep it. Make it work. I like it every month coming in. 
because I think it's going to be difficult to sell your apartment building in the, in the near future because rates are so high and people are afraid and nobody wants to do things. No problem. Pay me each month. But if the government comes in and says, oh, now we're going to give you another, it's monkey pox, right? It's, it's chicken pox. It's bull pox. Maybe that's the next one, right? Donkey pox. Have you guys seen those shirts? Oh, somebody wore one recently. He said, oh, somebody got so upset. They said they were offended. And I said, wow, what'd you say? He said, well, I said to them, well, that's a you problem, not a me problem. You don't have to look at my shirt. I said, well, good for you. That's the way to do it. You don't have to be a jerk. You were, you were pretty clear. Right, people, you don't have to be a jerk to them. You just tell them that's that's your problem. Being offended is not a me problem. That's a you problem. We used to make it a you problem. That's how you you got strong and and solid. But all of a sudden, it's a it's I have to worry about everybody else's feelings. Do you realize I sit in a box? I don't say anything. I'm in a rock. I'm not even going to order from the pizza guy because I could I I, I could offend an Italian. So, so instead, I'm just going to sit up. You tell people, listen, if you're offended, that's your problem. It's not mine. Right? Be clear on that. So what do I think is going to happen with income? I think you need to have reliable retirement income. I think you have to pull some, maybe part of your money out of the market. Get it away from risk. Get some guarantees. Get some security. I think a part-time job might be the answer for some. You're like, I don't need a part-time job. I make enough money. Fantastic. See if you have a skill. Maybe not. You, maybe you don't that, that, that others want, right? I'm not going to be prideful and say everybody can contribute something to this new uh, war that America is about to have with economics against the world. No, no, no. Not everybody can, right? If you're a professor of something, you have a great job. But you don't need to mentor any other professors. They're already there. If you're a school bus driver and there aren't enough school bus drivers, maybe you can work part-time and teach some of the new guys. Right? Things like that are going to be needed. Because I think enough people have the challenges of trying to, I don't know, navigate this system. So I want you to remember, if you retired, you have some value. You have some value to the next generation. You have some value to what I think is going to happen next, which is uh, what I think is uh, an assault on the Democrat Party. Uh, sorry, <laughs> an assault on the Republican Party, simply because they're going to think Donald Trump runs. Oh, my word. If Donald Trump runs for office, you will see the left lose their mind. They have already filled the airwaves with lies. They forget to say that they're the ones that started the, the KKK, right? I told you two years ago, three years ago, everybody's a racist, racist, racist. I said soon that that word's going to mean nothing because they use it where people know it's not true. Nobody wants to say it, but they know it's not true. So because we all know it's not true, the word starts to lose meaning. Even though it's a disgusting word and, and a disgusting label, people still choose to what? Use it. And then it becomes worthless. So they changed. Now it's white supremacists. White supremacists, white supremacists. Are you kidding me? Those are those crazy people in the corner. Now they call people that are half Mexican and half American, uh, half Lebanese, half white, half, or or just because they look Caucasian, you must be a white supremacist because you support Donald Trump. No. My uncle's black or my cousin's Mexican. What, what, what are you talking about? 
Oh, no, white supremacists. So that's their next go-to word. And I will tell you, before the general election is over, they will find another one. I'm not sure what it will be yet. I I pegged white supremacists because they were testing that way back when. And as a test, it seemed to work pretty well. People were biting it. But who really freed the slaves? Come on, you know this? You know this answer, remember? Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. When you realize, quote, when he freed the slaves, he was the first Republican president. I mean, you understand that. Uh, oh, let's talk about the Civil Rights Act. Oh, Eric, let's, let's bring it to this, you know, at least to the last century. Can you go back 50, 60, 70, not 200 years? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Let me do this. Uh, it's called the Civil Rights Act. It was only pr- passed by the Johnson administration because the Republicans in Congress forced him. That's the only reason. In fact, it was to basically honor the legacy of both Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, the folks that kind of got together early on, who, by the way, would not be welcome in the Democrat Party today. You know that. They like the idea of John F. Kennedy, but they don't like his ideas. You follow me? They like the idea of Martin Luther King, Reverend Martin Luther King, they're afraid to say. They just call him doctor because they don't want any religious connotation because they got to strip that away. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. They like the idea of him. They don't like his ideas because they're not left-wing progressive ideas. When I spoke to Alveda King, Martin Luther King's niece, she made some a comment that was kind of shocking to me. In fact, I didn't realize that it, that this part was true until I talked to her. It's so interesting. I, I try to preach, learn the truth, learn the, the facts behind these little little stories so that you can get the real truth, the insight. And here I assume something that was said, and here's what it was. She said, Arif, we lived in an upper middle class uh, area. Dr. Martin Luther King and, and uh, her dad, Dr. A.D. King, We're both middle class, upper middle class. She said, we had swimming pools. Do you realize how many whites didn't have swimming pools in their home? We had a swimming pool. We lived in an upper middle class neighborhood. There were white people in the neighborhood. But it was a predominantly black neighborhood. Uh, Yeah, upper middle class black neighborhood with swimming pools and manicured lawns. Professionals. That's the way it was in the 60s. And I thought to myself, I thought he was a you know poor guy that grew up. No, no, no. Very educated, of course. Successful financially. Civil Rights Act only passed because of the Republicans in Congress. This is pretty interesting. National Rifle Association. Did you know the NRA? Right? Oh, this race to white supremacist NRA. Why was it created? Because Democrats in the South were trying to prevent law-abiding blacks from getting a firearm. So the NRA was created to protect the uh, lower income in most cases and middle income blacks from getting a firearm. Because part of what they would do is they would tax them this extra amount. They'd have to pass some sort of test. And remember, many of them were not literate. They were great with their hands, building things, creating things, farming, etc., but they weren't necessarily literate on how to read and write. So the white Democrats would create this whole 
uh, written exam, if you will, with trick questions, with, in some cases, you know, misrepresentations, and you had to complete this test in order to get a firearm. Sorry, you didn't pass. The NRA was created to say, whoa, 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 the Second Amendment doesn't say that. So it was created to protect the rights of law-abiding blacks to carry firearms. And let's be clear, you can ban every single firearm in America. Do you really think the, the gangs, the drug dealers, the criminals, do you think they're going to turn them in? Now, you guys listening know this. You, you're, most of you are generally logical people. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming things, but I've met most of you, many of you. I'm assuming you're pretty intelligent. So tell me where you last argued this point. That it's already illegal to commit murder. So you can pass 16 more gun laws and murder's illegal. Shooting a gun in a city is illegal. Firing, uh, robbing a bank with a gun is illegal. Robbing a liquor store with a... Uh, follow me? So what do you think? One more law is a criminal's like, oh, well, if it was four laws, I'd violate that. But five, eh, I have values. I have morals. My standards don't allow me to commit five crimes per day, only four. You guys need to stand up because it's you that will make a difference. Not your congressmen and women. Not your, your governors or senators. They are guided by, on both sides, generally speaking, by special interests. The day-to-day life that you lead has to be guided and protected by, guess who? You. So please stay tuned to that. You have to follow that world, because if you don't, nobody else will. The NRA was, was specifically created, the National Rifle Association, and to this day is designed to keep poor and middle-class Americans that are legally law-abiding their right to carry a firearm and to own a firearm. It has nothing to do with this racist baloney that they, the left keeps pumping out. We've talked about this. This is a very big point because you have to look to see how many of you and, and your family are going to have to now protect yourself. I wish it wasn't that way. But look online today. You can see a, a, a Vietnamese uh, store owner had two hooded young men, I think it was a, a tobacco store, come in to rob him, and they, they grab the tip jar, and he tells them, look, just take it and go. Leave the coins if you would. Just just take it and go. The guy tries to steal something out, and then the smaller of the two jumped the counter. Now he's coming after the storekeep. So what does he do? Storekeeper defends himself. I believe it was a total of seven stab wounds, I don't know if this young man's going to be alive or not at the end of the story. Maybe he is. He drags him outside of the store, throws him outside, immediately calls the police. I don't think anything will happen to him, the, the, the storekeep. These two young men turn themselves in, basically, through the, through the hospital. And surprise, right, arrested. How long will they stay in jail? Who knows? You know the system. But you guys have to protect yourself, both physically and financially because Wall Street isn't going to do it reliable retirement income is I'm Arif Hallaby stay tuned to the second hour of the show two great emails coming up I'm Arif Hallaby Arif at TFSWealth.com shoot me an email give me a call at 888-99-RETIRE 888-99-RETIRE stay with me on the second hour 
of the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby on AM870, The Answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now Arab Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me to the second hour of the show, your Total Financial Hour. Totally two hours. Appreciate it. You guys are the ones that made it possible. Thank you for all your requests and, and for your uh, your pushing of, of this second hour. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I love being able to communicate and share with you some ideas. It's been uh, 17 and a half years now on the radio and being able to kind of talk to you about some of the things that I, I see as, as uh, common problems, but also patterns of behavior. And when I see that, I like to bring it to your attention. That's why we created the Ask Arif section where you go to Arif at TFSWealth.com, Arif at TFS, Total Financial Solutions, TFSWealth.com. Okay, look, there's a, there's a few letters that I want to get to, a couple of them. I want to point out a couple of things first, though. Big news this week about Geico Insurance leaving California. They're not going to stop insuring Californians. So if you have Geico insurance, uh, at least as they say right now, they're not going to cease uh, insuring you. All they are doing, and what's kind of an important part to this, and I think it's still a big deal, is all of the agents are gone. Now, in our industry, a lot of us are like, oh, you know, we're going to trust the companies, the insurance companies to pay us, to continue to employ us in the industry. No, 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 they're not. I think you're seeing... Uh, companies leave California. Geico is just one of the, the first few to leave California. Nestle, uh, in company left California for Virginia a, a few years ago when California started taxing employees, right? California levies a tax per employee every January. I think it's about $250. I pay it. Everybody pays it. It's the reason that Toyota left. It's the reason that Pepsi and Frito-Lay left. And hey, ready for this? The staunch left progressive Everything matters, all black life, gay life, everybody matters except white men, Christian men. Everybody matters except, oh, wait, where did Apple? Oh, they moved its headquarters from Santa Clara to Austin, Texas. Yeah, remember those racist Texas? Oh, yeah, yeah, you just moved there. Nestle owns, by the way, I think it's the largest in the, I know it's the largest in the country. I think it's the largest in the world. But they own more fresh water resources than anybody. The Arrowheads, the Sparklets, they own all of them. Yeah, Nestle, which is not an American company, owns most of America's fresh water supply is owned by a European country. Huh. Imagine that. Isn't that interesting? Nearly all the water you buy at the store, regardless of the label, is owned by Nestle. Pretty important you realize that because that's a big change. I think that's going to be the the difference in the future. I think water is the new war. It's not about oil, right? We already have enough energy in this country to last for hundreds of years. We just have uh, crazy people in the White House and in the governorship 
that don't allow us to attach or to attack, to uh, reach out and, and use the water, uh, sorry, use the oil sources. So that has to be fixed. But the actual physical location of the oil, the energy, the, the natural gas, the fracking, it's here. It's done. We found it. It's, it's great. We're good for, for hundreds of years. When you have somebody like Donald Trump in the White House, he easily manages that. But when you get somebody like Joe Biden and his far lefties, I mean, he doesn't know what colored tie he has on, that poor guy. Really, it's the Obamas that are running the show. Well, that's important you know that. Okay, what other companies have left and moved its headquarters out of California? About two, just the headquarters, folks, not the rest of the operations. Headquarters. 265 have left the state. More left the state in the first half of 2021. This is only since 2018, by the way. More have left in the first half of 2021 than almost any other year. And that's only six months. You realize the, the, the debacle called the lockdowns and the reaction to COVID, which was a huge joke, by the way. The state of California knew it. Other states, Arizona, next door. Right? Oh, uh, the, the virus can't cross the desert. Okay. Arizona, they were fine. Within a few months, they were open, open for business. 2020, I don't mean 2022, I mean 2020. By June, July, August, they were open for business, back to normal. So a lot of these companies, Geico Insurance, Allstate Insurance, Allstate left its headquarters from California where? Oh, to Phoenix area, Scottsdale, Arizona. Yep. Geico Insurance just relocated all of its people out of California. Now, these are people, companies rather, that have good jobs, right? They're not, they're not uh, you know, a family liquor store, which, of course, is very important. But these are actual real companies that have headquarters that pay real big money who, when I get paid well, if I'm the employee, right, then what do I do? Well, I take my wages and I go to the grocery store that helps that teller at the bank and make sure this person at the dry cleaner, all of them get pay raises because I'm spending more money, right? So when all of us are spending more money, I think that makes a difference. Uh, I mean, I don't know, call me silly, but I just think it makes a difference when real dollars are coming in and not government money. Because when you spend government money, you had to take it from somebody to turn around and give it to somebody else. Uh, you realize that nobody created a widget for a dollar and sold it for five dollars. That's why when you pay teachers, policemen, and firemen, and I love them all, I was one. You have to take from somebody else to pay. Now we want we want safety, we want teachers, we want firefighters. I get it, but you have to take from people through taxes in order to create those jobs. That means somebody else has to have a job, make money, give some of it to the government. And then take the rest and give it to their families and friends, right? All right, let's give you, I want to give you a couple more businesses that are left. I talked about Frito-Lay. Uh, I talked about uh, oh, Gordon Ramsay's North American Restaurant Headquarters. Huh. Remember the big Hollywood guy, Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, the chef of the stars. Oh, Texas. Interesting. Uh, let's see if you might know. Kaiser Aluminum. It moved its headquarters from California where? Oh, to Tennessee. Uh, what about Green Dot? That's a big company. Oh, guess where they went? Texas. 
Uh, let's see if there's another one you might know. I'm trying to find one that you might know. There's a boatload of them here, guys. I mean, just a bunch of them. So let's see if I can find another one. Oh, another insurance, large insurance company called Huckleberry Insurance. We've heard of them. They're gone. Amazing Magnets, big company, moved to Texas. So these are people that consider this as, a, as an, an opportunity, if you will, to save money both on employee costs because employees have to make more money here just to live the same way, but also the taxes and the regulations. So keep that in mind as we start talking about our next, few le- uh, next couple of letters here because I want you to realize this is a pretty big part here. This is a single mom. Hi, Arif. I'm a single mother with a 22-year-old daughter. Her whole life, she's always said she was going to take care of me when she gets older. And this is from Tia, by the way, TIA, when she gets older. I want her to live her life now and not worry about me. What do you recommend for me to do to ensure that, I can, that I'm going to be okay? I'm 49 years old, and I have about 225000 in my current employer retirement plan. Okay, 225000 it's a good number. Good for you at age 49. In addition to that, my employer adds a large profit sharing each and every year, and that really helps. I'm putting in 15% of my paycheck each month. She earns 110000 a year. So she puts in about $15,000, $16,000 a year, and I always plan on continuing to do that until I retire. I also have a small Roth IRA of about $40,000. All of this is in the stock market and I'm scared about losing it when I need it most. I don't ever plan on getting married again, so I have to plan on taking care of myself. I want to make my daughter feel comfort uh, feel confident that she can live her life by knowing I'm going to be okay financially. Any ideas or recommendations? Okay, Tia, here's part of the the deal that we want to do. Number 1 is uh I think it's admirable that your daughter is who she is. That's a pretty pretty neat thing because you don't see that throughout uh, our lives anymore. What you do is you see kids, it's about me, it's about me, and it sounds like you really emphasized family. So I want to, just on a side note, recommend uh, that you take a minute and, and kind of realize how special you are in that world. Second is I think you have to realize the Roth IRA is going to have a different job to do, and maybe the job of the Roth... Maybe that's the safety portion. Here's why. Because as you continue to put money and so does your employer in your retirement plan at work, there's a dollar cost averaging component, meaning you're buying shares when it's high, you're buying when it's low. So you're smoothing out the rough spots. Because right now at age 49, let me see when you said you plan on retiring. It doesn't say, you didn't say when you planned on retiring. So I'm going to figure at age 67, that's the maximum for your Roth, uh, sorry, for your uh, social security at age 67. Maybe you'll work a little longer, but maybe not. Here's what that does. That allows you to dollar cost average in your retirement plan, meaning you, your job between now and age 67 is to accumulate shares. It's to accumulate pieces and parts, right? So the less expensive those pieces and parts are, good for you. The more expensive, well, I want you to sell when they're expensive, when they're high, when they cost more money. Well, I'm hopeful that that's going to be later. But this dollar cost averaging is very key to retirement plans that are in the market. That's number one. By that time, uh, if you max out your your retirement account, you should have somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.1 by the time you retire. That's pretty cool, especially if 
there's a consistent dollar uh, uh, profit sharing plan contribution. I didn't include any of that when I did my pretend calculations here. I did not include the profit sharing from your generous boss. So keep that in mind. I think that's a good thing. You could have a lot more than that. All right, that's at age 67. But what about your Roth IRA? I want you to continue to contribute to your Roth IRA. Now, they change the laws and the rules all the time about who can contribute, but you can always do what's called a backdoor Roth. Backdoor Roth, meaning you put money in a traditional IRA, you let it sit for a couple weeks, and then you do a conversion, right? What does that mean? It means you put money in, let's say, a bank savings or a checking account or CDs. Well, I wouldn't do a CD. Savings or checking or a credit union. You classify it as a traditional IRA. And then after, a, you can do it after a day, but I do it after a week or so, you do a conversion. Now that means what's taxable is the interest that you've earned. Oh wait, it's in a savings account. You didn't earn any interest because you did not deduct the $7,000 that you put in initially. Now you can only do 7,000 when you turn 50. So if you don't turn 50 this year, then you can do $6,000 this year, $7,000 next year. And then $7,000 per year in your Roth, whether you go direct or through a rollover through the uh, backdoor Roth, okay? Now, where does that come into play? You might want to consider making that the safe part of your portfolio, right? I would take that current amount that's in your Roth IRA, that $40,000, let us move that into safety, Let's get that into a fixed annuity, fixed indexed annuity. Let's have you contribute to it. If we earn an average of, let's say, 5 or maybe 6% return, and you're adding that 7000 a year, you should have over 300000 350 by the age of 67. Now, we get an income guarantee off of that money, which means, let's say it's around $1,200 a month. That means at age 67, that $1,200 a month is tax-free. Social Security, only about half of it is taxable. Withdrawing from your retirement account at work, maybe forty or 50000 a year from that account. Right, right around 4000 a month is what I'm guessing. Now, that should give you around $8,200 a month, but only paying taxes on maybe mm, 4000 a month maybe five under the current law, right? Your CPA, your tax preparer, they're going to have to give you this advice. I'm, I'm just giving you general ideas. You're always going to consult with them. But by the time you're 70 years old, maybe that's when we turn on Social Security and it's over three or 4,000. I mean, this is a big deal. You're going to have eight to $9,000 a month in income forever. I think if we lay this out to your daughter, Tia, I think she will have confidence that you're going to be okay. Now, here's what my experience has been in 26, 27 years in the financial business is that wherever your kids and slash really more importantly, your grandkids go is where you will go. So although you might plan on staying in California in retirement, let's say your daughter either gets married or gets a job out of state or decides that the state's you know too expensive to raise children and she picks up and moves, most likely you're going to follow her. And I want you to financially be able to do that. And that's why by explaining to her that you're going to have over $8,000 a month in income 
And if you're not in the state of California, let's say your daughter moves to one of the tax-free states like Nevada, Texas, Tennessee, Alaska, Wyoming, Florida. Guess what? No income tax for you either. So you can look at keeping a greater amount of your money. In fact, it's probably more money than you're making today when you factor in taxes. Now, inflation is going to eat up some of that. But remember, I didn't include the uh, the profit-sharing portion. So the $1.1 million is just your money going in and a reasonable return. So maybe you're going to have closer to $1.5 or maybe even $2 million, depending on profit-sharing by that time, which would maybe even double your income from your that, that you pull out from your retirement account. So that's a huge number. That gives you another five or 6,000 uh, instead of four, maybe five, six or seven from social security. I mean, do you see my point? You tell your daughter, listen, I have a lot of diversification. It's not diversification in just how the money grows because we're going to only pull the 40,000 out of the Roth and put it in a safe place and then grow it and then pull the money out tax-free and it lasts forever. That's the 40. But your work plan, that dollar cost averaging, that's really key in adding and growing and creating wealth for you. Now, remember this. What do I want you to, to leave to your children and grandchildren? I want you to leave real estate to them. What do the wealthy, the affluent Americans do? They don't leave retirement accounts to their children or grandchildren. They leave what? Well, they leave real estate. They leave Roth IRAs. They leave stock market accounts that are not part of their retirement accounts, meaning it's in their portfolio, but it's just money that you have. Because all of that is passed, what's called a step up in basis, meaning tax-free to the next generation. So what do you do with your retirement account? Well, you're going to use the daylights out of that thing. You're going to live well. You're going you're to have a comfortable life. You're going to buy a car if you need a car. You're going to travel over here if you want to travel over there. And you're going to go at least business class, maybe even first class now and again. I want you to use the million, two million dollars, whatever you might have at that time for you and your benefit and maybe your partner someday. But you make sure that your daughter, you have life insurance. Let's talk about that. Maybe this is the time for you to get a life insurance policy, right? For a small amount of money, you're young enough. Even if you're so, so healthy, we can still find a policy for you. And then what we do is we pass that on to your daughter or granddaughter. So you can have peace of mind that she's going to inherit something. She's going to inherit whatever real estate you own at the time, whether it's here or in another state. And then you get to live on your retirement account. You get to have a lifestyle that matters to you and your family. So that they, your daughter can look at you. Say, mom's doing fine. Look, she's driving a nice car. Mom's doing fine. She has a new purse. Mom's doing fine. She just got back on a, from a cruise in, in the Caribbean. And the honoring that you've done to raise your daughter the best way possible, I think that's a pretty neat thing, especially to give her those values. So Tia, please, remember those things that matter. It seems like you already do. But by giving ourselves, maybe it's a little bit of a bonus with that, for, uh, with that Roth IRA, that $40,000, maybe we can get a guaranteed an income for that Roth IRA. And then we never have to worry about money in retirement. 
It sounds like you have a pretty good job. I would keep it, of course. 110000 a year is a great income. But let's say your daughter gets married and moves or just decides to move, doesn't get married, but just decides to move to another state. Then send me an email or give me a call, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. And what we'll do is we'll do a comparison. We'll say, how much does $110,000 a year here equal when your daughter lives in this city or that city. So in other words, if you earn, let's just say 85,000 a year there, is it equivalent to 110 here? Probably. You might even be able to live on 60 or 65,000 a year. And yet over there at that kind of number, you know, 65,000 is like living like a queen here. Maybe not. So don't always look at how much money you make. Because there's two different rules of thumb. One of those is a goal, I want to make a lot of money. Everybody thinks it's about making a lot of money. My point to you is it's about becoming wealthy. What's the difference in becoming wealthy versus making a lot of money? Well, there's sometimes night and day. So Tia, I want you to become wealthy. Making a lot of money is nice. In retirement, it's about reliable retirement income. While you're working, it's about accumulating wealth assets, things that go up in value. And don't think that's just about, you know, one way street. I don't think you should understand just how money works. And, and, uh, you know, theoretically, I think we want to put it into practice. So right now between eight, and $9,000 a month forever during retirement might not seem like a lot of money, but if you're not in California, that's an $800 or so pay raise. Huge, huge. Oh, that doesn't include gasoline. Oh, car registration. Oh, property tax. Oh, sales tax. Right? These are things that you don't have to pay for when you are in Cal- when you are outside of California. A lot of people forget that the point of of living is not to spend a lot of money on stuff. So once you retire, you don't need as many things. You just don't. You don't need work clothes. You probably aren't driving as much, maybe. But you certainly aren't spending the kind of money at, uh, at restaurants for lunch every day. So there's things that you can do in the process. I don't want retirement to be about this subsistence living. A lot of you think that's what it's about. Retire and sit and turn the air conditioning off. What are we, we're made of money? Close the front door. Remember those stories? That's how we grew up, right? We grew up where uh, you got to shut the front door with the AC on because you don't want it's running out the front door, right? And, and it's much more sensitive when you're living check to check or when you're struggling financially. In my parents' case, right, when they were providing for what seemed like at the time, you know, half of a village in Lebanon. <laughs> and you, you look at it and you go, wait a second, it's just us little family. No, no, it isn't. Right? When, when you grow up a particular way, when you think you're supposed to do things a certain way, doesn't mean it always has to stay that way. All right. You can live a life. You can be comfortable. And Tia, one of the most important things is you will probably follow your grandchild. If your daughter is blessed to have children, that's probably what you will do. So be a little limber, learn a skill that will allow you to, to relocate if you need to. And understand that businesses are leaving California at record numbers. 
So your ability to maybe even get a job with your same company. And here's what we're finding, guys. This, this is a big change as well. We're starting to find that more and more companies are accepting, accepting of this work from home thing. I, I don't, I mean, I'm leaning towards the I don't like it part of things. I don't like it because it takes creativity away. And listen, if you're the employee that's working from home, let me be clear, out of sight, out of mind. You might think it's great, but when the next promotion comes up or we're all going for drinks after, you know, happy hour after Friday and you're not here, you lose those social bonds that happen at at the workplace. Now, you might say, oh, no, not me. Well, then I think you're full of baloney because there's always some sort of social bond at the workplace and you lose that when you're the one working from home. You're the first to get fired in my my experience. You're certainly not the one to get the promotion in my experience. Because now you have all these rules and this, da, da, and you don't understand. And a friend of mine was interviewing somebody for a job, and the guy said, uh, "This is in the middle of COVID, towards the tail end, maybe six months ago." And he says, "Hey, listen, uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, I don't want to start work before 10 a.m. because I've learned that my personal well-being does better when I can garden the first couple of hours in the morning. So I'm willing to start work, but only at 10 a.m." And I also want you to understand that I now have a dog and I don't want him to be alone after 5 p.m. because I have to feed him and he needs, you know, care. So I'm willing to work from 10 until probably 4.30 so I can get home uh, and I want full-time wages and I want to work from home, uh, you know, once a week or twice. My friend's saying, what are you kidding? This is a full-time job. Everybody's here. Half the day is over by the time you come in. They deal with the East Coast. He said, you, you realize that it's one o'clock on the East Coast. People are done. They're ready to go home in a couple of hours. And you're just showing up. So I get it. Some of you want to stomp your foot in the new normal. But that's not the way it goes anymore. Most businesses, in your benefit, as the employee, you need to be there. So think about this, Tia. If you have to relocate, you can be there. Not just work from home, that's fine. But even if you want to work part-time, I think you're going to be fine. And let your daughter know. You raised a good young lady. Thanks for listening uh, to this uh, half hour. Goes, uh, Guys, I got one more for you. This is a big one. It's pretty important. I think you're going to pay attention to it because we have seen this in the last two weeks probably a half a dozen times. So it's coming up here on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby. Stay with me at tfswealth.com. Arif at tfswealth.com, triple eight ninety nine retire. We'll be right back. Your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I appreciate it. Hey, guys, this last half hour of the program, we've got a couple things to go over with you. Uh, listen, I've been getting a lot of comments, a lot of questions about Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan. What do they think that's going to mean for the stock market and some of the issues with China? So before I get to this last letter, I want to touch base on that just a little bit. So I've been to China three times all over the country, north, south, uh, and towards the west. I want to get this right. I've been all over the country to see different 
areas. In fact, there are cities that are cities that are larger than some states in the United States. In fact, larger than most states in the United States. So these are some very, very densely populated places. Uh, I think you need to look at it and ask yourself, you know, what's the purpose of China being angry about Taiwan? What's their goal? Well, they used Russia as a decoy, or, or in my opinion, they used it as a, a chance to see how the U.S. is going to react, but without having to put any of their own forces involved, any of their own time committed. And in exchange, China uh, committed to Russia to say, listen, we're going to give you aid, we're going to give you money, we're going to buy your oil, we're going to create uh, the dollar exchange for you, so we'll you give us your currency, we'll give you dollars in return, uh, so that they could still pay for their oil. Because remember, you still have to pay oil rates to Saudi Arabia and to other countries, Norway and Sweden, other countries with oil, you have to pay them in dollars. So you have to take your rubles, turn them into the Chinese yuan, the Chinese yuan buys dollars, they give the dollars to Russia, Russia in turn pays Saudi Arabia, for example. So when that takes place, right, the flow of the dollar, it's part of the reason the dollar is so strong, there's a lot of uh, still craziness around, okay, what, what does that mean to you? Well, I think China is very serious about wanting to take over Taiwan. All of us knew it. They couldn't really do anything about it for years, but I think they're starting to feel like they can. And I think a lot of you don't realize that part of this process of of China uh, taking over manufacturing of everything from medications to clothing, part of this process was for China to have an invaluable relationship with the United States, meaning there's no way in the world you would ruin that to save this little country. So, Give us our country. Now, years ago, when China became uh, split off, if you will, became communist, a lot of the non-communists ran away to Taiwan and created their own little independent nation. And it's been that way for quite a long time. They have their own culture, very similar, similar language, similar foods, but not exactly, not the same. And what that's done is it's really upset the Chinese nationals. Now, did Nancy Pelosi go there to give China an excuse? Maybe. Right? Did she go? She's not anti-China. So she went there for some reason, I think, to benefit China. I'm not sure the end of the story. All I know is this. I think in the end, China is very uniquely qualified to create a problem for the rest of the world. Right? The old adage, Donald Trump said, if you owe the bank a million dollars, the bank owns you. But if you owe the bank a billion dollars, you own the bank. Now, remember, the United States and China have an interesting relationship with debt and a purchase agreement back and forth. They buy some of our goods and services. We buy some of theirs. I mean, this this is an ongoing thing. But I looked at some of my clothing lately, some of the new, you know, I bought a pair of shorts and I bought a shirt, but some things lately. And I looked to see where it was made. Nothing was made in China. Singapore, Bangladesh, Vietnam. Very interesting. Starting to see that other countries, and I don't mean one once in a while, because you would always get something that those other countries were good at, but today the manufacture of a lot of textiles now has left mainland China. So what is mainland China doing? Well, I think they're going to have a real estate collapse. We'll cover that on a different show, because they phonied up their whole financial system, right? They gave you land, if you were one of the family and friends, because remember, the government owned the land, and then they, quote, became a capitalist type of a society, so they gave people land. And then they went to the bank and they said, here's my land, Give me, here's my collateral, give me money to build a building. So they built numerous 
15, 20, 25 story buildings. I mean, they're beautiful buildings in this compound complex area, huge high rises with waterfalls and little bridges down below and swimming pools. I mean, just a, a beautiful place. Nobody lives there. Zero. And it isn't just one or two little communities. It's a place that we drove 60 miles an hour plus on a freeway. And when we drove that 60 miles an hour plus, are you ready for this? It was like we were driving in downtown LA for an hour and no, they were all huge buildings and nobody lived there. They were communities that were built called ghost cities. Now they'd lie to certain fast food restaurants that have a, a nice golden letter, big letter in their name <laughs> and the arches you look from across the way and there's nobody there. They said, oh yeah, come and put in one of your restaurants here. Look at this community of 50,000 people. Sorry, nobody's there. Sorry. So I think there's going to be this collapse and they're going to have to distract their people to do something about it. So I think that's why they're going to have a problem with Taiwan. It's my opinion. What will that do? Some electronics are going to cost a lot more money. I think what's on the shelves now, that's why you walk into Best Buy and other stores. What do you see? Mountains of televisions. I mean, $500 for an 80-inch TV. My wife and I are like, are you kidding me? 80-inch television is $500? It's, it's like buying your own movie theater. So there's a huge discount on electronics right now because I think they've been in inventory. And they're trying to get rid of them. But I think the next wave or the next two waves coming across, I think you're going to start to see things go higher because the manufacturing cost of these things. So when you are retired, you are buying less of those things, right? You're not buying a new TV. You're not upgrading from a four bedroom to a six bedroom or a three bedroom to a five bedroom house because more children and more children and better school districts. There's less of that craziness going on. You're kind of settled in your, at least in what you're going to buy. You're going to buy something now and again. But usually you want the highest quality. And you might upgrade your television once, maybe twice, but it's over. You got it. It's done. So what about, I guess he goes by Charlie. He is Charles, but he put Charlie in in parentheses. What about Charlie and Lisa? Okay, Charlie and Lisa are very interesting. They've been married 32 years. Dear Erev, we've been married 32 years and we have four children. They are all on their own, and two of them are married. Their college has all been paid for, and two of them now have their own homes. None of them need any money from us, at least not for now. I'm 64, and my wife is 61. We plan on staying in California when we retire, but want the freedom to travel outside of California if we so desire. We are comfortable with an income at $7,500 per month because we just paid off our home. However, we feel more comfortable with an income of, of 8500 a month. I have to buy, uh, what is it? I have a buy, uh, oh, I have a buyout from work. This is important because some of you are getting this. Remember I told you layoffs are coming. The executives amongst you, the middle management, upper middle management, you're going to start getting buyout office, offers. We are, we are experts in that. We can help you manage that. The income that comes in, what do you do with your old retirement account? That's where we kind of have found a big specialty. We saw uh, folks from entertainment companies, from hospitals. We're seeing it over and over. Um, So I have a buyout from work that will pay me for the next two years until age 66. It's about $10,000 a month, 
My wife has about 200000 from her old 401k plan. She has, left there. she has left it there since she was laid off in 2009. She has never returned to work since. My company has a 401k plan, and I have $950,000. We both have about $100,000 in our Roth IRAs. My Social Security check will be $3,200 a month, and my wife's will be about $1,500 a month. Do you think it's possible to achieve $8,500 to $9,500 a month in retirement? Charlie and Lisa. So the short answer is yes, I think you can, provided you're not locking in, oh, we just bought an RV for $1,200 a month for the next 20 20 years of payments. Some of you are doing that. Or you, you bought a boat. I don't care if you buy a boat cash. You have the money, buy it. You can afford the payment without any hesitation, including worst case scenarios. Great. But a lot of people are buying these things based on today's income. But in retirement, the income is going to drop. Well, the payment is a 15, 20, 25-year payment. So your income drops, but the payment never does. So you have to think about this. It's to your benefit if you're buying rental property, right? If you buy a a property that has a 30-year mortgage, rents can go up over 30 years, but your payment stays the same. Good on you because you you have it as an asset. But when you have the liability called a vehicle, you have to ask yourself, is my income going to go up for the next 20 or 25 or 30 years? So be careful when you buy the boat or the RV or the fancy car, whatever it might be. You have to be careful that that payment can be afforded through this next phase, financial phase of your life. Okay, I have a buyout from work. It'll pay him $10,000 a month. My wife has about $200,000 in her old 401k. I would probably take that out of the market, move it into safety, and have that be like my second or third tier of income, meaning later on down the road. I'd have that be a source of income that would kick in when inflation is a little higher, maybe in five years, maybe in eight years, but somewhere further down the road. If I could get his wife, if I could get Lisa to age seven zero before we touch that money, good on her. She's going to be doing very well. But if not, we can start income at 65 if we need to, whatever. I'd prefer to wait as long as I can. I want something to push Lisa under her name until age 70. The reason is the companies will give you a higher payout. If you're 70, simply put, you're closer to dying, right? I mean, it's a little crude, but that's the way it goes. So you have to think about this. They're going to give you a higher payout. She's left the company in 2009, so whatever she had in there, it's probably gone up and down, hopefully gone up, depending on what she's been investing in. So she's probably done okay, but it's time to get out, in my opinion. Here's his social security check. It's going to be $3,200 a month and his wife will be $1,500. I don't want you to start those social security checks until age 66. When you reach your full retirement age, it sounds like that's about your full retirement age, maybe 67, but you will be at that age at a nice time. I don't have to worry about it. In other words, I don't have to worry about you working or, or getting a discount on your social security because here's what happens, folks. If you are working and you have income coming in from a job, and you turn on Social Security, and you're not at your full retirement age. Okay, so 1954 or earlier, your full retirement age is 66 years of age. If you are born after 1954, for every year after, add two months to age 66. So, for example, if you were born in 1955, it's 66 and two months old. That is your full retirement age. If you're born in 1957, 
59, etc. You just keep adding two months for every year past that. Okay. The reason I want you to wait is because the longer you wait, the higher your social security check will be. And this $10,000 a month that's coming into you, you can live on. So don't create a taxable event just to put money from your right pocket into your left pocket. Leave it and let it simmer. Let it grow. Now, do, you, do I think it's possible to achieve at least that 8500 a month uh, to 9500 a month? I do. I do. But we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to use the Roth IRAs to reduce your tax burden. That's important. Each of you have that $100,000. I would put that as well. So what would I get out of the risk of the market? I would consider taking your wife's 200000 401k, your, her 100,000 Roth IRA and your 100,000 Roth IRA. I would move that out of risk and then you've got to work with a good financial uh, planner, uh, advisor, risk manager. I'm trying to think of the right word without degrading them, but somebody who, who is okay with, with managing the $950,000 risk. I think we can do it, but I wouldn't put it in the market. So if you want to keep it in the market, I wouldn't do it. My risk is zero in the market. So you have to decide where your risk tolerance is. If you want to say, I want to live in Arif's world, it's having nothing in the market that's at risk. Why? It's very simple. You don't need it. You've already passed the finish line. Stop running. If you can achieve all of your financial dreams without having anything at risk and paying the fees that go with it. Because by the way, when you leave your company 401k, guess who has to pay? Uh, When you leave your company, which means... You're no longer an employee. Whether you leave the 401k there or you take it out, generally speaking, the cost, eh, 1500 to 2000 a month, uh, a month in fees, guess who has to pay that? Yeah, you. So not your company because you're not an employee of them anymore. So what I might do is say, you might want to consider moving some or part of that out, move it into safety. There's some different layers of safety that we can do. Maybe you're comfortable with 40 or 50% at risk, 30% at risk. I'd be okay with that. We have great partners, that, that folks that know how to manage that. My job is to protect your money, to grow it with reasonable rates of return, and more importantly than ever, get reliable retirement income away from the craziness of the stock market, away from the craziness of what's going to happen with the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. You've heard me talk about that. Some pensions out there are going to struggle. And when they do, guess what? Companies' pensions are going to default. And when they do, somebody's going to pay, and that's you, if you have a pension or if you're a taxpayer. So I like the idea of using the Roth IRAs first. That reduces the tax burden. That can get you guys about $1,000 a month tax-free beginning two, three, four, five years from now. Social Security, well, that brings in about 4700 a month, so that's a good number. And then when I say consider protecting a big portion of your 401k plan, maybe half of it you get to decide, but I, I, I'm thinking right about that. You, you say how much comfort you are with the risk, and what should that give us? Right around three to $4,000 a month. So between 1000 plus the 4700 plus the 4000 a month, Social Security... I think you're easily at the 8500 to $9,500 a month. And remember what I said to the last lady, Tia. Keep in mind something pretty important. Ready for this? Pass real estate 
and life insurance to the kids. Not your retirement accounts. Your retirement accounts are nice. That's for you two to enjoy. Charlie and Lisa, you guys drain those things down to the last penny just just before you pass away. Now, it's not likely, so you still are going to have the kids as beneficiaries, but if you can ensure that they're going to receive whatever you want them to receive, life insurance, real estate, maybe ultimately wherever the kids end up, if, if they end up in a place, maybe you'll buy a rental property there that you rent out sometimes, VRBO, but when you go visit the kids, it's your place to stay, right? Maybe that's the kind of thing that you would do. But that real estate, guess who that goes to? Yep, the kids. Important you understand this. I don't want you leaving or thinking that you're going to leave your retirement account as the primary thing for your child to inherit. Here's why. Because the ones that are going to be making a lot of money, right? They're successful. They're financially well off. They're doing fine. They're good. They're on their track. And great, mom and dad just left him a bunch of money. Thanks. All of the money that I worked, I'm a lawyer now, dad. I'm a doctor, mom. Well, all of the income that they're going to be making is now going to be taxed at a higher bracket because they're forced to pull out money from the retirement account that you left them, whether they like it or not. So now they have to pay a higher tax on the money that they've already earned because there's an aggregate amount. All of those dollars together is what they're taxed on. Well, they had a plan to pay a certain amount of income tax each and every year, and now it's changed. So my word of caution to many of you guys, if you've inherited money and you're going to be withdrawing from a 401k, a retirement account, IRA, anything like that, 403b if you're a teacher, got it, then you meet with your tax preparer before the end of the year, your CPA, and you say, hey, listen, here's the amount of dollars that I make. Here's what I have to take out of my mom, my dad's inherited IRA that I received, what can I do to make sure I manage this properly? All right, so you need to manage that. And for a lot of you, you think, well, I'm going to leave it. Uh, I have four children. Chances are this, Charlie and Lisa, chances are this. One of your kids is not very good with money just because you have four of them, right? One of them is not, does not know how to manage money, is not really good with money. Maybe you have more than one, but usually uh, when you have four, it's there's one. Right. Well, that's not the person you leave the money to. I mean, I I get it. You want to treat them all fairly because in your mind, that's what you call normal. But you understand when you have somebody that receives a big chunk of money like that, if they cannot manage their own, if they disrespect their own time in exchange for dollars, right? They've blown their own money. Do the math. They've made hundreds of thousands probably in their lifetime, certainly more than 100, 150, 200, I don't know. And they have $400 in their checking account and they come to you to get money for gas. You go, wait, 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 wait a second, sweetie. What did you do with all the money you've made? So be careful if you're going to leave money to a child who doesn't know how to manage their own finances. And don't run cover for them and say, oh, well, it's because, you know, they were, this happened to them and they had this happen to them. And no, 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 you know better. You know who that person is out of your four or two. Some of you have two kids and you know who it is. Maybe it's more than one child. My point is, I don't want you to favor the child who's already proven to mismanage money. You don't do that. So be careful. All right. Put it in a place... And I am not against this, guys. I'm not against you saying, look, uh, we're going to leave our kid, our home, our second home, 
our vacation home, whatever it might be. We're going to leave our life insurance divided by four. Okay, fine. But this retirement account, maybe you put some guardrails on it. Maybe you put some rules. Hey, guys, here's the rules. You have to be able to make a certain amount of money before you're allowed to touch this account. I have a friend who's pretty wealthy, and he has two daughters. And today they're getting close to the same, but for years, you know, one was pretty successful, married well. They had they made a lot of money. They owned a couple of properties. They did well. By the time they were 30-something, they were financially secure. The other one was a cocktail waitress, then a singer, then a secretary, then a manager, and then whatever it was for the week, hostess of a restaurant, and then an actress, and then a model, and I'm going to go to Europe, I'm going to go to Asia, whatever it was, could never really get off the ground. Not a bad person at all, I think, actually, a very nice person, but didn't have direction. Today, different. But when he set up his trust, here's how he set it up. He said, all right, guys, each of you, if I die, you have to go to attorney John. John says, bring your tax returns from last year. And how much did you make, Susie? How much did you make, Mary? And whatever you guys made, I'm going to add that amount to you. Oh, one of you made 500000 Here's 500. Oh, one of you made 50000 Here's 50. One of you made 10000 Here's 10. He said, I'm not going to give my kids more money than they emotionally can handle because they've never managed that much money. They never had that much money before in their life. Why would I give them whatever, a million dollars? They don't know how to manage a million. They don't know anything about a million. They know that they made $26,000 last year. That's what they can handle so far. So here's 26,000. So I thought that was brilliant. It was a very interesting way to go. Now, understanding that a younger child, an older child, everybody's at a different level of their uh, financial path, their career path. I understand that. So maybe you'll account for some of that. But the point is, you're not going to treat each other, or e- each of them the same. You can love them the same, but you don't treat them financially the same. And when it comes to Charlie and Lisa, you, be, you guys being able to reach your dreams, no problem. Your 950000 should be well into a million, a million and a point three or something in the next two, three years. Four years, hopefully, we can get it over 1.2. 1. You're, you're going to be fine. The goal is what do you do later afterwards? Because you're asking about problem X. You crossed the finish line of that problem a long time ago. Don't take the risk, in my opinion, to lose and have to go back to work in, in four years from now. Right? This is important. You're 64 years old. You want to go back to work at 69? Because if we don't manage this right, if you lose more in the market, chances of you having to return to work in order to maintain this lifestyle is a real, real concern. Well, we have solutions for that. That's why we're called TFS Financial and Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, because that's what we do. Give you this number, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. And even if you think everything is fine and you want a second opinion, there's no cost, no cost to meet with us. We sit down. You always meet with me, by the way. Some of you might are surprised. You're like, wait a second. Are you the person that's on the... Yeah, it's me. I have a great team of people that, that handle my paperwork and my scheduling and stuff like that. They're very talented, very good at what they do. But I'm the one that meets with you. I'm the one that sets out whatever plan or, or program or whatever it is that we're doing. It's me. And sometimes, guys, when we sit down together, sometimes you're fine. And I say, everything is great. I wouldn't make any changes. 
And a lot of you are surprised. You're like, wait a second, is that it? I go, you've done great. Second opinion worked great. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Halaby. Hope to see you soon, and thanks for listening. Reach out at any time at tfswealth.com. Have a wonderful day. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.